자, welcome to our first <웃음> podcast. <웃음> um, My name is Lee Kai and I'm here joined by my, my good friend. Hello. <laughs> I'm, I'm John. Nice. Nice to meet you, John. <laughs> nice to meet you. So, nice to meet you. We're going to do.、Um, okay, so I guess we're going to explain our. Our goal for these podcasts first.、Um, so, first, we, we were thinking about know, doing some accountability reading, I think, or something like that. And then, like,、um, we wanted to give us the reason to like,、um, read a book every week. And, and then we were like, oh, then we can just do a podcast and reflect on the things we, we read that week. And then also give People that are listening, them time to reflect on like the message that's written in the books and then how maybe it can help their, their day to day lives. Because I think most of our books we're going to be reading are self help books. So、um, that will be the direction of this podcast. Nice. And there.、Um, also, another, I guess. Disclaimer, not more of like a warning, is that we're going to be doing this, these podcasts in kind of mixed English and Japanese because we are most, both of us are most comfortable speaking, using both languages to communicate our thoughts. Although for me, most likely it's going to be、uh, mainly English and then like choco choco, like here and there, Japanese.、Um, but I think that'll be like the structure of, it, of our podcast. And yeah, is there anything else you want to add, John?、Um, so, content wise, I think we're gonna go through each chapter and pick up some points that we think were interesting and elaborate on that based on whatever we think about it.、Mm. <laughs> we add、yeah. our opinions along the and way. Yeah, and I think, I mean, this is our first time too, so we're not. Sure, exactly, but for this episode at least, it will be like that, what John described.、Mm. Kana? Okay.、Right. Now, so with that said, our first、mm. book that we read this week was、um, Influence the Psychology of Persuasion by Robert B. Caldini. Kana? Caldini? 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 So. I think the, the message of the book the, no, overall was that there are like tricks and little psychological, or sometimes some, you can even say like physiological、um, tricks and cues that he calls like compliance practitioners、um, use to exploit some of your tendencies, or not just you, like human beings in general. And He had like six main points, different categories that he explained his, his argument.、Um, so, so it was reciprocation.、Um, second one was commitment and consistency. The third point was social proof.、Uh, fourth point is authority. Fifth is liking. And then 
scarcity. So we'll go one by one um, in that order. I'm not sure if it's the same order as uh, what was written in the book, but we'll go in the order. And so, yeah, reciprocation. What do you think? Or first of all, I guess we should describe what his message was. And so, um, if I'm briefly going to explain it, it'll be that humans, um, when we receive something in value, we feel morally obligated to return the favor in some way. Um, and I think I saw like, and while I was looking at other people's reviews and reflections as well, there was like two subcategories within that, which was social obligation, which is more kind of like the normal, normal thing you, you would, not the kind of, I think it's a typical, uh, Whereas the second one, which is reject and retreat, I thought was just a little different category, which is where you, in the beginning, ask for something really ridiculous. and But your main goal from the beginning wasn't that ridiculous request, but it's the second request that you're going to ask after that, which is the retreat part. Um, and that's when they feel obligated to say yes to the second request because the first one was, because they rejected the first one, even though they knew it was ridiculous. So, so they got my summary, kind of, um, what I got from that, that chapter. But hmm. uh, do you have parts to add, Johnny Boy? Um, that was pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and. I guess this applies to all the other ones that we're going to talk about, but um, it makes me critical about such offers. It makes me mm. think some offers are like ill-willed, mm. even though they may be genuine. So it's a difficult topic to, I guess, digest or concept mm-hmm. to digest. Mm. But yeah, being aware of this is really helpful mm. <clears throat> um, I think I also read somewhere that like <clears throat> people can still like uh, use or perceive so they can use these tactics while still believing that they're being ethical and so like using these tricks and being ethical aren't like mutually exclusive and that's the scary part because people will genuinely believe that they're giving you something for real, and and they like want you to get it, but then, like, they still have that in part of their mind. It's like, but uh, you know, this helps me to get in the, or uh, get them get something back from them, and so. Mm. I think the point here I'm trying to make is that the genuine genuinity genuine genuineness, yeah, yeah is it can still be true and real, when the other person is giving something. Mm. But that doesn't mean just because they're genuine doesn't mean they're not trying to trick you. So they can genuinely try to trick you. <laughs> Maybe that's a yeah. A, that's a the difficult part. Yeah. yeah, and it's scary. I think there was an example of a religious group that tried to give um, flowers as mm-hmm. a cue to have people donate to them, mm-hmm. and. That's an example of people using this tactic in a s- mm. ethical, quote unquote, ethical way. Yeah. But, yeah. 
really um, so yeah, yeah. I'm sorry sorry go ahead tricky it's a tricky concept yeah um so some examples uh maybe i should have brought it up a little bit earlier was uh 10 tips for blogging like or 10 tips for creating your perfect or podcast for for our matter and, and then they'll be like hey this is a pdf and it's well email to you now as long as you give us the the email i think that's both like asking for email for their email marketing but also same time it's like they're giving you this 10 tips so that in the later on a long run hopefully you'll buy their course um later on and that's that's the risk reciprocation yeah hmm. um so other examples like main um the the the, the costco samples or hmm. in the states trader joe's samples they have the coffee stuff um but any kind of sample i think that's also one example and i think i want to mention these because it's like they're apparent and they're in front of us they're obvious um behaviors are like things we see in our in our life but then we're not aware that these are kind of some things that like the author mentioned like robert mentioned it's they're trying to exploit that reciprocation reciprocity part um using those stuff um mm. so i was also watching uh this youtube video called science of persuasion which i will put the links in the episode notes <laughs> to give credit out to um but he was talking about how like one at, at a diner when they're done with done eating and they you know the the server puts the check down or something um if the server gives one mint per diner the tip increases by three percent if it's two mints per, per per diner then it's 14 percent increase and then demo this this so this is already like cool a cool like correlation but then the third kind of method is like they put one mint per person per diner but the server walks away and then comes back and says hey for you nice people these are here are more extra mints and then the tip increases by 23 percent so it's like um it's not just like what you give to them but like how you give it to them and like making them feel special mm-hmm. and unique is what like gets people um that don't know and um i think it's so it's it's so true because like because we're already talking about diners like if i go to a restaurant in japan with like my family members i think my mom especially is sensitive to service and then so like ah like be aware of these tricks but i think for this reciprocity type of um gestures i think it's good to think something that if it's if something is too good to be true then it's like most likely uh, most likely it is so like that's a lot of that's a common saying we hear with people but no call someone on the street like this happened to me someone random on the street 
on the street, friendly person on the street gave me like a CD of his like album of his rap, rap album. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, thank you. Then I'm there. I'm just saying, I don't like rap like at all. If you do like rap, it's like, oh, like, for free, right? But then, like, afterwards, he was like, he's like, donations, and so, like, I think he was trying to, I don't know, he might be using that tactic. Who knows? Um, all, of, all of these stories for me, it's like, who knows? But it's cool to, cool to imagine if they were actually trying to exploit that. Yeah. Uh. And. Yeah, so one major point that the author writes at the end of the chapter was in the context of these reciprocation um, interactions, um, he says, uh, a favor rightly follows a favor, not a piece of sales strategy. So mm. if something doesn't seem like a favor or is not a favor to you, for example, like you getting your raps. The rap album from a stranger, mm -hmm, while mm -hmm. you not you don't, uh, while you're not interested in rap, mm. it's not a favor to you. So you're not obligated to give mm. them a favor. And I thought this was really mm. um, helpful of a advice to keep in mind. Yeah, in the context of these yeah. triggers or inclinations that we have. Yeah, and I think this eliminates the. Um, option of just rejecting everything because anything can be a sales uh, strategy because mm. some people can be genuine like I said earlier um, yeah there was an example of an elementary school kid at a school gathering with all the parents and teachers where she tried to give a flower to one of the parents but the parent was like no I know what you're trying to do uh, mm. <laughs> you're trying to get some, what do you want from me kind of thing <laughs> but she was genuinely, genuinely just trying to give that parent a flower because mm. she liked him. And this obviously devastated her. So, yeah, rejecting everything, like a, he says it's a blanket solution to just reject everything, but it doesn't seem appropriate for this um, reciprocation and, uh, trigger. So that was mm. the first part, but... So, so that's a good point because I always thought like my, I always think of the worst case is a good self-defense for me like so if like this like just kind of can't like um reject everything that's offered and so favor it's kind of message right mm. and it's I think a that's, a pretty, you, yeah. that's a good 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 yeah metric Metric or lens. A good guide, yeah. So, so, so. Um, so, next point is the commitment and consistency. Basically, it's about doing one really small thing um, that kind of makes you have to do something next step or something a little bit bigger, a little bit when time passes, a little bit, a little bit after that. And so, I guess one example is. Um, do you have an example? Um, yeah. For example, the communist camp in Korea, Chinese communist camp in Korea, where they kept right. American soldiers. So, um, <clears throat> so that, that's in yeah. the book, right? Yeah, this is from the yeah. book. But what the communists had the American soldiers do was write a letter or write an essay, actually, for a contest that they 
held. Mm. Um, and whoever wins can get an extra amount of food, extra amount of water, whatever that they needed to survive with. And this wasn't really a huge prize because they were already supplied sufficient food and mm. snacks. I mean, yeah, just food and drinks. But um, the main purpose behind this uh, contest was to um, overwrite or like slowly, um, slowly overwrite the intentions or philosophies the American soldiers had towards communism. And the Americans, to the American soldiers, it wasn't much of a big deal because it was a pretty small thing to them. Mm. And by repeating small commitments, it overwrites the identities and intentions of uh, the American soldiers subconsciously. Mm. And they were able to get the prisoners to collaborate them more instead of being more hostile mm. in the camp and prison. Yeah. So yeah, so, so even something small... Sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> zoom late. Zoom lag. Zoom lag. Go ahead. <clears throat> um. Yeah, I was just gonna summarize that. Even something small, um, that adds to your identity, or that manipulates, or I don't. I don't want to say manipulate. Hmm. Uh, even small commitments that influence your identity can uh, yield greater results without your hmm. freedom of choice. Hmm. Yeah, there's another example in the book where um, a group of residents in California were. Uh, <clears throat> we're given a s- survey. Okay. We're given, mm-hmm. yeah, I think they were given a survey to beautify their city, mm-hmm. and that that's something really small because all they had to do was sign something and tick yeah. boxes. Yeah. And a couple weeks later, a different group of people came to their homes and they asked them whether they can place a pretty big sign that says mm. that promotes safe driving mm. and what this shows is that even such a small um, behavior such as signing a petition petition to make the city more beautiful that ingrains I mean that plants a seed in the residents that they are moral or like ethical people so and that grows in the long term to become much bigger and that triggers them to do something bigger based on their idea of being ethical and moral mm. so they comply to the um, request of people putting big signs to promote yeah. safe driving even though object- objectively that's that's a bit odd <laughs> yeah so yeah the small commitments can unintentionally or subconsciously grow into something big that you might think is justifiable, but if you take a step back, it's like, whoa, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. It's my lawn. I don't, what am I promoting, you know? Yeah, so just kind of like take a deep breath and be like, <laughs> is this, 
a sound decision to like make right now. Mm. Um, and so I want to take this idea of commitment and consistency and how, so the author argues that if you tell the people around you you're doing something, you're more likely to do something greater, right? That's the main, main, main idea in this chapter. That it, it reminded me of another idea, which is, um, I, I re- remember reading somewhere that if you tell someone that about your goals, you're less likely to do them. And I think this was kind of, it's not just one person. I, f- I feel like some, like it's a kind of kickle permeated ID idea. Um, uh, but I did a little bit more research. Um, and then I ended up on this, uh, blog by Trello.com and I, I'll put that link as well. <laughs> and then, その中の um, I'm going to read it off the blog. Perhaps um, the most popular research about goal sharing and motivation is by Peter Goldwitzer of NYU. In 2009, Goldwitzer and his colleagues published research suggesting that the simple act of sharing your goal pu- publicly can make you less likely to do the work to achieve it. Um, and he goes on and talks about these um, experiments about stu- law students, uh, giving them a ex- questionnaire about their commitment to making the most out of the educational opportunities and becoming a lawyer and so on and so forth. Then, towards the end, or this next part of the experiment was the researchers would be like, on the first group, half, half of the group, they'll be like, um, they just confirmed it. They circled like their questionnaire and be like, confirmed with the student law students, hey, you're going to be a この頑張るんだねみたいな感じの just that little simple interaction with them was the first group. Second group was just like anonymous questionnaire. So they didn't even know whose answer was who and stuff like that. So these questions, you seem confused, John. But like these, que- are you confused about the questionnaires? Um, the questioners, the questionnaire or questioner? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's oh, a sheet questionnaire. Of paper. <laughs> yeah, it's a sheet right? of paper, questionnaire. And that encourages the law students or? Oh, okay. It's, it says, I fill out a questionnaire that measured their commitment to making the most of their educational pr- opportunities. Mm. And then to read off word by word more, those who is, whose answers indicated a high level of commitment to becoming lawyers were then split into two groups. For the first group, an experimenter looked at each participant's questionnaire and then asked them to confirm that the answer they circled was the one they had intended. The second group, however, dropped their questionnaires into a box and understood their response was anonymous. Hmm. Then, after that, both groups were given 45 minutes to work on legal cases. The first group, whose answers had been acknowledged, spent less time working on the cases than the second group, whose answers were anonymous. Hmm. Researchers concluded that when someone notices your identity goal, that social recognition is a reward that may cause you to reduce your efforts. So in this case, the students who stayed, they oh, who stated they were committed to becoming lawyers had already achieved that identity in their mind thanks to the experimenter's acknowledgement of their answers. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So if your goal is closely tied to your identity, it might be best to keep it to yourself. This way, premature praise won't fool you into feeling like you've already achieved your aim. Mm. So. Right. Um, I was kind of like trying to understand what, how to, how to make sense of these two kind of bipolar, not bipolar, like opposite end of the spectrum research. Um, 
because one's saying that you'll stick to your goals, one's saying you, you won't stick to your goals. goals.、Mm-hmm. And so, my little theory that I came up with just minimal research is that per, I think perhaps if, you, if the goal is what you wanted it to do intrinsically, telling people prematurely, prematurely will defeat the goal. If the goal is something you weren't really interested in in the first place, it might make you want to follow through, especially if it was requested to begin with.、Mm-hmm. So, the difference I saw was that you didn't, you didn't it's like, you know, John, the example, I didn't go out and say, I want to make my, I want to put this sign in front of my, in my front,、uh, front yard saying, like, I want to make this envi- environmental or something, good community, good city sign. I didn't like go out to do that, but someone asked me to do it. And so, like, I kind of like comply to their request and be like, okay, shit, s h o g a n a i I have to follow through. Demo, being a lawyer isn't like no one's asking these students to become a lawyer. Maybe some, some are, but I'm guessing most of them, at least filling out the questionnaire, are saying they want to do it themselves. And by, and by having you know, these researchers acknowledge that, they're like, nah, y a r i k i n a i It could also mean, so that's one、um, difference I saw. Whether it's intrinsic motivation or not. Another thing was whether the. Yeah, no, I think that's actually that's the main thing. The other one doesn't make sense now that I think about it. But.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I thought. Right.、Um, I think there was a similar example to what you said in the book,、mm. where in an experiment, there were two groups that were given. Um, a set of questions, and one of them were instructed to write their names, and the others were、mm. uh, instructed to stay anonymous.、Mm. And、um, at the halfway point of the experiment,、um, the participants were informed that some answers were incorrect,、mm. or maybe incorrect, I think. Mm-hmm. Something that would、um, trigger them into potentially changing their answers. But、mm-hmm. for the people that wrote their names, they, didn't, they were more likely to、um, deny yeah, that request.、Yeah. While the people who were anonymous、um, just took, that, took advantage of that and quickly changed their answers.、Mm-hmm. So when, once you write down your name or s- somewhat state your identity, you're less likely to change. Your behavior, your future behaviors.、Mm-hmm. And this can turn out positively or negatively, depends on the situation too. But、mm. I think it's important to be aware of what you're trying to commit to.、Mm. Because in many cases, you may fall blind into going into a direction that you don't want to be in. Mm. So mm. that's scary. Slow,、yeah. Mm. yeah. It's a difficult. Definitely. No, I, yeah, I guess it can go, it can go both, both ways. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty hard to assess <clears throat> and be like careful about it.、Mm. Yeah. Yeah, quite.、Um, but yeah, another thing that reminded me, reminded me, Tika, is sort of my opinion based on what you said about the research by.、Mm-hmm. Goal Witzer.、Um, mm-hmm. You said that、um, if the goal is intrinsic and telling people prematurely will defeat the goal,、mm. 
mm-hmm. and the goal if the goal is something that you're not really interested in it might mm-hmm. make you want to follow through um that made me think maybe saying your goals or announcing your goals for things mm-hmm. that you feel like lazy or lack motivation with so like mm-hmm. pretty much accountability tasks uh, mm-hmm. tasks that require accountability i think might be a good place to use this trigger that's true mm. yeah and i think that ties into the next segment but of social mm. proof or okay. social forces can encourage or discourage behavior but if there's anything else that you want to say about this segment we can no. do that first covered covered most of it so okay. we can move on to social proof cool so social proof um is the next chapter and to talk a little bit about it it's just um that when our human tendency for i mean tendency for humans to um when we are uncertain about some particular situation uh we look to others to decide how to act and so it's pretty kind of self-explanatory but um for example like uh reviews on amazon like i think that's a good example because we mm-hmm. don't know when we first for example when we we're going to buy this book influence um we looked at the reviews checked what were the most helpful reviews and we used that to uh, base our judgment on and i think those reviews were really good so we were more keen to um check this out so that's one example um another one in the book was actually uh door to door salesmen or or women use neighbors names so when they go up to a neighbor they say hey this neighbor on next to you left to you right to you um john or leekai really recommended this product and so we would like to invite you to kind of test it out trial run so on and so forth but by using your your neighbor's name as a social proof on this victim um to judge the product based based on our social proof so um those are like quick examples but um did you have a a particular example you want to bring up mhm um one big example one major example um the author brought up in this book was a homicide that was made in yeah. i mean a homicide that happened in New York mm. of this mid 20 year old lady called Catherine Genovese um she was murdered at night in the middle of an apartment complex with 25 or 35 um apparent uh bystanders uh, like families like yeah bystanders mm-hmm. or like ha nante no shoko ni nanga ne witnesses witnesses yeah Mm. like around 20 to 30 witnesses but um nobody called the police on it because mm-hmm. everybody um felt prone to the effects of social proofing or uh scapegoating scapegoating social loafing kind of I'm not sure what that is uh social loafing social loafing no loafing um so social loafing where people rely or assume that other people will do a certain behavior because mm. there are so many people mm. in that same mm. place. Okay, okay. Um and I think he brings up he uses the term nanake. Pluralistic ignorance 
yeah yeah to describe this phenomena but mm -hmm. yeah like i said it can be social social uh, loafing uh, social loafing scapegoating or whatever yeah <laughs> yeah 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 it's pretty much the same phenomena where people tend to be so not not lazy but they judge their basement off of as leak i said on others behavior because it was such an uncertain situation and they didn't know what to do yeah uh, yeah and that brings me to another example similar example of uh a car crash um so a car crash happened on a highway but nobody was stopping to mm -hmm. call the police or ambulance but as soon as the driver got out and started calling for help more and more started to stop and assist or support that um and the reason why they were the author this was the author's oh, was it the author i feel okay if i'm not mistaken yeah I think or it, was... it might have been his friends <laughs> so what it's like it's all mixed up like all these analogies yeah. Yeah. or anecdotes are like really mixed up between his personal life and I mean, his interviews so yeah, he could be he could be bullshitting too and he can say okay no that's rude sorry sorry, <laughs> sorry robert i don't mean it um yeah and there was another example of well they didn't ex uh, they did an experiment where they had uh, a group of five people versus a group of one person uh, to yeah. see whether they would call an ambulance on a potential uh, from the potential <laughs> from a man potentially suffering from epilepsy and mm. it turned out that more than 90% of the participants called the ambulance if they were alone and mm -hmm. only 30% called ambulance if they were in a group of more than three people mm. so that by itself is a bit scary mm -hmm. um, people tend to rely on others to do certain tasks tasks and rely on others to uh, base their judgment yeah for their own actions yeah mm. and I think um, I want to emphasize that this pluralistic ignorance is more prominent in situations where like everyone is uncertain of what the, what the situation is, and so if you go back to like the um, Kath was it Catherine Catherine's Catherine, homicide, yeah, yeah incident, um, it, it's the uncertainty that makes everyone. Um, so I'm talking about the witnesses, act more normally, and it's weird because so in uncertain and public, especially uncertain in public situations, people tend to look cool or like look normal and act like everything is okay unless it's like like obviously not okay so because of that everyone then like oh like perceives each other as normal and they start to act normally themselves and then so it's kind of like this positive feedback loop where it's like because everyone's normal you feel normal because you feel normal everyone else starts to feel more normal too and then so because of that no one called the police and then unfortunately the woman was uh, assaulted and murdered and so the solution that I think the author um, mentioned was that um, you have to pick out a person from the, this, the group of witnesses and assign that person to do whatever task whether that's calling 911 or getting the fire extinguisher or whatever some emergency task um, but picking out a person drastically improves 
the situation or the likelihood that they will help you. I guess pluralistic ignorance is just like a subsection of social proof. And I think social proof can really apply to a lot of different... It's kind of like that... bias. Confirmation bias? Not, not confirmation, but conformation bias. A conform. Conform. コンフォーメーションいや。コンフォーメーション似てるよね。似てるぞ。同じなのかこの考えないけど。いや。まあ。いや。いや、just are we done talking about pluralistic ignorance? I was gonna go kind of more like the general social proofing part. Just small examples. Like. Okay, I'll. You can say those first then. Uh, just other examples of social proof is like donations. I remember at our high school, um, mm-hmm. Christmas concert, um, they would have these baskets, baskets. or bags or like a hat. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, you pass it so the our concert had like well, just like any kind of concert you rows of seats for our parents and audience to sit on and there would be these I guess helpers staff that staff members would come by each row and mm-hmm. and then we pass it along the row and people kind of donate put in some money and then pass it on to the next person and I thought that was kind of like it's not necessarily social proof because it's like you know it's not we're uncertain like like we can totally make a decision to donate or not but still that like social pressure to like do the same thing um and also sometimes like people have money already inside the basket too like when they when they start off and i'm like yeah 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 it just came to us man how does this have a um, money in it um but yeah. Yeah, um, that came I'll, I'll out as, as an example in the book too. Just, of I, leaving a tip. Ah, <laughs> uh, tip, Pro- ne, yeah, yeah. Or it, that donation basket too. Like, Dre. Oh, that too? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, they would. Yeah, so whoever is hosting that donation would put a couple of dollars mm. prior to passing it out to promote social proofing, Mm-mm. to utilize social proofing so that. It creates somewhat of a not an urgency but like a standard a social standard so that other mm. people can comply to mm. so yeah it's exactly what you just explained and just two more examples is i have i see flyers and as i think more in the states of um on bulletin boards like black not black not blackboards like bulletin boards and with like the slips at the bottom there's like number and like maybe some like a contact information, email. Um, is there's this little like a takomitenashinatana. So it's a paper with all the uh, information yeah. at the bottom, mm-hmm. it's like different legs of slips of information. And I think it was my brother or someone was like, Yeah, one of them is always off or like taken off because it shows that it's like popular or something. And then I'm mm-hmm. like, Oh, that makes sense if people actually do that. Mm-hmm. Um so I thought that, that reminded me of that. And also, they, they, he talked about canned laughter, right? Like laughing tracks in the book. Mm. Um, wait, did it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
okay, okay. So the author was saying canned laughters or laughter causes viewers to laugh longer and more often, even though so it's actually more effective in poor jokes or like really boring jokes. And that reminded me of I was watching MB, I don't know, an M- Warriors game, NBA Warriors game the other day. Um, and I realized that there's no audience, right, because of COVID-19. But you can still hear, like, the cheers. And it felt like okay, ear, 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 weird, right? Because it's like, mm-hmm. well, there's no one there, but why, is there, why do we hear it? And so I think they also acknowledge and understand the importance of just the crowd and the cheers even though they are we all know that there are no no audience there so I thought that was uh, cool to mm. see yeah um, so they were yeah just like the television people they used social proofing to their advantage yeah instead of being a victim to it yeah based on the prior examples right um, I have another example of social proofing being constructive to people Mm -hmm. um and it's example of i think it was his own son um in the swimming swimming in the swimming pool um Mm -hmm. he really wanted his son to be able to swim but he was really afraid and his yeah he didn't want him to drown in case he like jumped into into the pool with his friends or whatever to avoid these accidents, he wanted his son to learn how to swim. So he hired a university student um, mm. to teach his son how to swim. But his son still didn't enjoy the experience, and he didn't improve his skills, swimming skills. But one day, at his regular school, um, him mm-hmm. and his class went to a swimming pool. And there, his friends and himself swam together. And ever since, after seeing his other friends swim, he started to enjoy swimming. And he actually wanted to swim more. And after hearing that, I don't know, not after hearing that, and back at home, the father actually saw his son swimming in the swimming pool. And he was so happy that he took off his shoes and just jumped into the pool and like, was like, whoa, you learned how to swim? Why are you, why are you swimming, man? Like, I'm, I'm proud of you kind of thing. And he soon realized that it was because his son saw his classmates who was the same, who was around the same age as him, mm-hmm. that acted as a positive social proof for him to be encouraged that he can swim. The main point was the son seeing another student around the same age as, as him swimming, and that mm-hmm. encouraged him to swim as well and feel less scared of just swimming Mm. so this is yeah this was another example of a positive social proofing Mm. reminds Mm. me of Mm -hmm. so reminds me of um one of our previous conversations about dr k's point of um or his story about Alcoholics Anonymous, um, story where people that went go, th- yeah, I guess went through the struggles of um, alcoholism and addiction process. After they 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 are after they overcome addiction, they go back to Alcoholics Anonymous to then help other um, addicted people um, 
go overcome, right? And those are much more, uh, those people that overcame addiction are much more effective in helping other, other addict, uh, what's the word? Addicts um, overcome theirs because it's that, like, it's, it, ma, his, his point of view is more like it's, they understand the struggle more and, and the road to overcoming. And so it's easier and to relatable and so on and so forth. And, but it just reminds me of that because the, the boy was also like, perceiving looking at this kid and he was like oh he's the same as me and I'm like he can do it then why can't i do it that's such a powerful mm-hmm. like a mirroring another person and then looking at yourself is such a powerful tool but also i think it's also um could be dangerous too because it's if you boil it down it's you can generalize it to comparing yourself to other people because that's what they're all doing right they're comparing the, the addict alcoholics is comparing himself or herself to this person that overcame the addiction and it can go oh i can do it which is more healthy positive way but it can also be wow he's he they already overcame i can't do it i'm gonna go i'm i'm, I'm the worst i'm, I'm blah, blah blah so it's a really slim like a line between good or bad and so it's important to keep that in mind too yeah to see which hmm. way you're leaning towards um when you when do you want to do you want to explain who Dr. K is? Yes. So Dr. <laughs> K is our just god. Um we it's our he's our role model and he is this he's a psychologist or a psychiatrist um who also t- streams on Twitch. Uh he does so counseling with mainly Twitch, the the videos he posts are mainly with twitch streamers um he goes through their problems um and kind of walks it through it and he's just an amazing 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 like conversationalist that can really dissect what's happening in your life and walk you through it and i we i think we both look up to him a lot so we a lot of times our conversations are based on what he tells us explains to us and so this was just one of them um did i miss anything else um so the reason why Dr. K is really uh, inspiring to us and relatable to us is because he loves to game as well. And he used to be um, so addicted to gaming that he almost failed university. And mm. he barely managed to graduate. And he was in his depths, as mm-hmm. he describes for around a couple of yeah for a couple of years and then he decides to go become a monk and there he experiences a lot and decides to come back to the academic world and become a psychiatrist at harvard so he Mm. went through med school and at harvard so he made this amazing comeback i don't think he went to med school at harvard but he's a faculty at harvard he went to Tufts University for med school. Mm. And he was a clinical fellow at Harvard Medical School. Not all though. Mm. Okay. But nonetheless, he went through, I think a lot of so-called like gamers go through, and is that a lot of times we we do get addicted to gaming and we we lose control of our lives sometimes of like because we forget we focus so much on gaming 
but I think he went through that. He overcame it, and he's trying to help other people, so it makes it even more meaningful. And for us to like going back to liking or our liking topic here, it's we relate to him more. We feel like he understands us more, so that the words that comes out of come out of his mouth is more impactful. Kana. Mm. I guess conclusion for social proofing. まあ、yeah. well, simply recognize. Zim, copy paste that. Yeah.、Um, yeah, I don't know. Using your surroundings, environment to judge is, is, is useful. It could be useful, but I don't think it can, you don't have to necessarily. Overuse it. If you're in an emergency, the fire is burning, or if there's this fire bur-、uh, burning in your apartment or your building, yeah, a lot of times you just follow where. Just think for yourself. <laughs> I think that's, that's like the best solution. Uh, uh, I guess, yeah, a part of it is thinking for yourself. Yeah. But I feel like. People that can think for themselves are still prone to this phenomena because of the social pressure.、Mm. So, what I got out of this was you should be the one initiating because even if you're wrong, that's a short term embarrassment versus、mm. a potential life being saved.、Mm. I guess. When you're put in situations like this, when you're uncertain of what to do, you should weigh the potential risks that would happen、mm. if you don't initiate versus if you initiate.、Yeah. And base your judgments off of that, off of your own individual scale, instead of the social ambience <laughs> of yeah. uncertainty. Yeah. Like. Like you said, short term embarrassment of like over exaggerating the situation, saying this is an emergency when it's not, is better, far better than this is saying it's not an emergency, but it actually is.、Mm. So, in the, particularly in that homicide, homicide incident, but I guess applies to any, anything, right?、Mm. Earthquakes, too, like in Japan. I think that's pretty big. Like, a lot of times everyone's uncertain if this is a huge earthquake. And for us, it was like that when we talk in the Shinsen 311, it was like, we're all like, I remember my classmates were like, oh, it's just another earthquake. And like, yeah, everyone thinks that because it's so common in Japan. And they, I remember someone was still feeling okay or like not, take, not taking it seriously, even though it was like, Literally shaking the building. So, like, like, don't assess based on maybe like past experiences or people around you, but like actually look at the situation.、Um, like Elon likes to say about the first principle like, is、mm. the building shaking? Yes, it is. Is it shaking a lot? Yes, it is. You should do something instead of looking around and、mm. analyzing by analogies what he's, he compares the counterpart of first principle or something. So,、mm. and I think it just goes back to my main mess, my original message of. I think for yourself. And. But I know, but I know, John, you're saying for those people that 
tend not to think for themselves. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like, everyone can, if they, put in the time. <laughs> I don't know. Um, ma, 実際に or maybe just that we're kind of off. <laughs> maybe. Like it's it's a. Uh, we tend not to be prone to this as、mm. much, but we can't really say because we weren't ever put into such situations. So,、mm, yeah. Um. So、um, that's so true. Because, what? Nami, Nami no, Nami no, Hantai Hoko Niku no Hoga, Iku Hoga, Skitsuka. I tend to do that. Or like,、mm. even though people call me a bandwagoner for liking the Warriors, <laughs> I genuinely love Steph Curry and the Warriors for who they are and not for their championships, although those are great.、Uh-huh. I love their playstyle and stuff. So that is my reason and not because everyone loves them. But for other parts of my life, hmm. Yeah. Were you gonna say something? <laughs> <laughs> Great segue.、Um, <laughs> I was、yeah. just about to. <laughs>、um, so, yeah, I guess that wraps up the social proof section then. Okay.、Uh, authority is chapter six, but we're gonna talk about it before <laughs> other chapters. <laughs> Let's do it.、Um, So then,、cool. uh, yeah, authority is self explanatory, kind of in a way that when you perceive someone as more with more authority, like a parking guard, parking lot guard, or like,、um, like a captain, like a f- at the airplane flight captain, pilot. <laughs> There you go.、Um, captain. <laughs> um, with a uniform, especially. It's pretty, pretty convincing if, you, if they walk up to you and be like, I'm a captain. <laughs> so, so you can say, authority.、Um, some examples are like, you, are, you tend to. So, oh, one example, good, good one, is、um, so there's an experiment where doctors authorize nurses to administer, like, administer,、uh, administer lethal doses of medications to specific patients as an experiment and be like, like lethal doses. So, 95% of those nurses complied. And so、uh, these other like, researchers had to stop these nurses just right before、um, they injected or prescribed. So that they go on, on, on autopilot once they get commands from these authoritative figures or people. And so that's another、uh, tool that these compliance practitioners exploit. To say, hey, I'm a. They give you like really excessive titles, like I'm a senior in Nantuka sales or director of Nantuka, and these are products. They're just like that. Yeah, like they try to lure you into their sales.、Um, so we, we, we should be careful about that.、Um, I think in that same experiment, it's also important to mention how. The orders were given through a phone call instead of 
the actual person being there. Mm. Uh. And it, it was that simple, um, uh, simple information of the person on the other side of the phone saying that he's a doctor that triggered the autopilot mechanism uh. in the nurses that caused them to proceed to give patients um, fatal doses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it really highlights that the power of the authoritative status has mm. in these social contexts. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, and I forgot, there, I don't know yeah. if this part was uh, in the book, but like kids are naturally taught in, in school to listen to the teachers and uh, mem- staff members of the school administration um, and follow them, right? Because well, it makes sense. They're adults. They know more. So, But as those kids, or as we kids, us kids, we grow into adults, like, we need to learn to start thinking about, like, should I listen to this person? Is this person really an expert? And, like, would I, like, not only are they ex- expert, but do they really care for you? Are they, are they on your side? Because, you know, they can be experts, but they can still prescribe lethal doses lethal doses if they want <laughs> in that case um so again we'll go back to our main point our main solution is to kind of like to to slow down think for yourself analyze if you're being rigged <laughs> or question their credibility before mm-hmm. anything yeah yeah mm, no god it really boils down to a simple conclusion. <laughs> or solution, right? You mean like the yes. type yeah, of solution? Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, I guess we can talk about that later. So, Tsugikimasu <laughs> ka? Nice. So, next point is liking um, or similarity. Breeding liking is maybe a better word to say it. Um, and so. Similarity breeds liking. Ah, uh, okay. And so, similarities like or like attractiveness, similarities, uh, complement, contact, cooperation, and I think conditioning and association. Um, so good examples like commercials. They put on like sometimes athletes for, like Gatorades or some commercials. You can put you see athletes use their reputation to raise the reputation for the product that's a common association i think example um and that studies found that we automatically attribute traits such as talent kindness honesty and intelligence to attractive people which is so it's so you can say unfair but so like yeah damn that's like that's some mother nature shit cause like it's they don't, powerful they don't, yeah they don't care if it's unfair it's just like you it look good is. yeah yeah it just it's just what it is which is so like mm. yeah like you said so powerful the 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 image that comes to my mind of that um and so I have like I guess uh one personal experience example of liking um when the salesman tried to well not tried 
but he was talking to me as I was um, renting a car and this receptionist or this representative came out and he's like well, just a small talk and while we we're doing all the documents and stuff he'd be like oh um, where are you going and I'm like oh I'm going to Leavenworth which is like a little a neat town I don't know if it's yeah a neat town towards the east where there's a lot of like beer and like a German town um, but anyway he's like I've been there and he also said like where are you from and I'm like oh I'm from Japan he's like oh like I went to um he went to Gonzaga University which is also in Washington um and as we all or not we all know but um uh there's an NBA player that graduated from there um Rui Hachimura so he was the the cell representative was in the same ethnic uh, English class as him and mm-hmm. so they were like group mates and they talked and so he brought that up with me and he's like you know for me I was like oh yeah that's pretty cool because like I mean, he's Japanese and he had class with them he plays basketball I like basketball too so like all these like so many connections that naturally I guess in my mind it's not like I gave him more tip or I gave him uh, added more like like a services so that he would get more sales but I saw that liking exploit not exploitation I don't want I don't make him put in a bad light but like those that trick was like apparently like present in that situation so it's fun to reflect back mm. and see that um there's another example um so for the longest time my uncle um who is a who's a physician he he said he likes to read up about many different topics and like cultures and religion and anything you imagine um because it helps him re- connect with his patients and um i never kind of digested that as much as i did right now after reading the book because by being able to converse about different topics that the per- per- that the patient is maybe holding very closely to their heart such as something like if my uncle can talk about it non-stop it'll be like wow he's an amazing physician they'll feel more cared for and connected and it just kind of makes sense so i commend i commend my uncle for focusing on that part to be able to connect more with people mm. um there was a example of likability in action with a juvenile being questioned at a police office between mm. two officers um one uh. was la- one was labeled the good cop and the other was labeled the bad cop okay. and the bad cop was coercive he would intimidate the kid saying how long he could go to jail if he lied if he didn't say anything Mm. He just threat threatened threatened him throughout the entire investigation interrogation mm. um while the good cop comes in and gives him gives the bad cops a little bit of money so that they can so that the bad cop can go outside to buy them coffee mm. so that the good cop can be can talk privately to the juvenile one on one and then the good cop goes up to the juvenile kid and says says how he, all he wanted to do was to help the kid and mm. if he actually said if he if he actually told the truth and 
told him how they how he actually commit, committed the crime, he can cut he can potentially cut his sentence to two years from five years and maybe one year. Mm. And because of how supportive he was, in contrast to the bad cop, the juvenile felt much more safe and much more trusting in the good cop, knowing his um, intentions, quote-unquote. So he actually told the good cop how he he confessed, pretty much. Mm. And, yeah, this is an example of liking in play, but also the principle of contrast in mm. action where um, I, f- I don't think we touched on touched on this because this is the very first chapter in the sample it mm. wasn't really title it was like weapons of influence the chapter mm. we didn't touch on it but um, it was pretty much the effect of contrast being more alluring to a victim so what i mean by that is so it's similar to the principle of reject and retreat um that we talked about in the reciprocation Mm. segment but if you present an expensive price at first let's say uh Mm. to a customer and then you provide uh a cheaper product afterwards mm. they're more likely to purchase the cheaper product because they have the initial impression and gomayen seems much more cheaper so that contrast principle is in action in this case and just like that uh, it applied to the bad cop and good cop example mm. um, where the juvenile or the boy didn't feel comfortable uh, confessing to the bad cop but once the good cop came into play he felt more safe complying mm. but regardless mm. of the um, scenario he confessed the final behavior was confessing mm. so they used the contrast f- principle pretty effectively to make yeah. the juvenile confess yeah yeah it's pretty that's also powerful you know how they say like um people on doing presentations or performances if you do it right after a very good one you'll look really bad even though you're like decent Mm. so same concept but i think it emphasizes more the the power of it so it's pretty pretty scary to be honest Um, I think the solution for this part was um, like separating your feelings for the, the requester and from the product or the service you're being sold. Mm. Mm. Which is hard. Dirt than hardest doing it than what's well, harder said, said, said than done. Easier said than done. Harder said than done. Easier said than done. Easier said than done. Harder done than said. Harder done than said. We'll make that our motto for this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> That's so true, yeah. Um, but anything else before we move on? Ah, there was just an example, a really small example. Yeah. Um, in a election in Ohio, um, there was one uh, attorney who was said to have a low probability of winning mm. 
mm-hmm. but as soon as he changed his family name mm. to Brown, mm. his probability went up. Yeah. <laughs> because Brown is a relatable last name in Ohio. So just because he changed his name to a more relatable one, his possibility or chances of winning the election increased. Yep. So this <coughs> is likability again in play. Yeah. Which seems um, absurd if we talk about it like this, but yeah, it, it worked. It happens. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. Uh, so, so the last, last chapter is scarcity, which is really short because I only have really few points to say. Actually, it's like less than fewer than few points. But the basic thing, message, is the thought of losing something motivates us more than the thought of gaining something of similar value. Ooh. Ooh. So, common, common examples are like, oh, Amazon, only one stock left. And airlines, there's only three seats left on this flight. Um, if you do e-commerce, Spotify, Spotify chain, Shopify, whatever, you'll have a checkout timer. Or even if you're buying tickets at like for NBA games or something, you'll see like, hey, you have the seat uh, right there for the next five minutes, so buy it before then. I think those are um, kind of playing along with the scarcity part. I think the scarcity principle really depends on the context and timing because, for example, regarding flights, flight tickets, mm-hmm. um, uh, let's say you really have to go back to your home country for important documents or like something that requires your urgent attention or urgent presence, um, then in that case, scarcity principle can act as a good motivator for you to behave in certain ways. So it can work towards you, for you, but regardless, I think we should still be aware of what you're dealing with precisely, like how it can benefit you, how it can potentially um, be a detriment to you, detriment to you. So, so mm. okay. Go on, go on, go on. Yeah, so just carefully assessing the situation and not blindly acting based on the scarcity principle by itself. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I would like to comment is what if... I think what I'm scared of, or what maybe the author is saying, is that... <clears throat> Those companies might put in, say, there's only a few stocks left when in reality there's like a hundred more left. And mm-hmm. they might even jack the price up just because, just, just so they yeah. can rip you off. And so in that case, as a user or as a customer, you'll be kind of ripped off and taken advantage of. So mm. what do you think about that? Yeah, so that's um, an instance where you're basing your... Uh, actions only on the scarcity principle but like I said if there's other urgent forces like the 
one that I talked gotcha. about regarding documentation in different countries and the timing. Yep. Um, it's shogunai mm. or okay to comply to it. But if you're only looking at the one item left in stock uh, to hey, drive hey. your purchase decisions, yep. I think that's a bit um, iffy because you're basing your actions on a really short-term gratification. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. So yeah, just um, take multiple things into consideration. <laughs> so think, think for yourself. <laughs> That's the bottom line of the book. Not to... Yeah. I regardless, I do feel like there are points that we should keep in mind mm. because they're they can be really um undercover or subconscious mm. Mm. so yeah, even though we've been concluding or yeah concluding on the same solutions for each chapter um they all hold their importance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For different situations and scenarios. So, we're not trying to say that it's a really atarimai uh, and simple book. Yeah. yeah. It makes me think if, if my understanding was just subpar, if, if my only conclusion is to be more yeah, attentive. That too. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it might just be on us or me. Like, yeah. yeah. So, you guys should still read it. <laughs> <laughs> Please read it. Um, Click on a link in the description below and we'll get a 5% commission off of that purchase. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're not doing we're any of that yet. Ooh. Yet? Yet. Yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess... But yeah, any, mm, any last words? As a final conclusion, um, mm. let's go over each chapter. Um, so regarding reciprocation if it's not a favor to you you shouldn't be obligated to give a favor back to somebody or something or a service Um, sounds good it might be difficult because of the social context or pressures that you experience but Mm -hmm. keeping that principle in mind if it's not a favor you shouldn't Mm -hmm. give a favor back or else Mm -hmm. it isn't reciprocation it's a one way favor Reciprocation should be an equal favor given into towards the reciprocation should be an interaction of equal favors. Mm-hmm. So if you don't feel like it's a favor, there's no obligation for you to reciprocate it. Right. This. For commitment and consistency, um, I think this one was pretty new to me or like eye-opening because Mm. we don't really consciously think about these things Mm. um our behaviors our subtle subconscious or mundane behaviors and i guess what this segment taught me was uh be aware of a lot of the even the small actions you take because that can lead that can be adding to your uh, motivation behind mm. your behaviors. Mm-hmm. 
regardless of your intentions. Mm. So, yeah, as we talked about in one of the examples, simply signing a simple petition to uh, comply to making the state a more beautiful one mm -hmm. can lead to you having a huge sign in your lawn saying, I mean, promoting safe driving. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, being aware of the small tasks you do and asking yourself why you're doing a certain task or why you're doing certain things is important. And I also want to add that it's okay to step back even though you committed to something. Mm. Because more often than not, you can make better observations and thus decisions mm. if you look at your decisions or behaviors more objectively instead of committing fully to what you said like five years ago or something. Yeah. And I feel like um, um, currently, especially I think in the Japanese education, uh, where uh, somewhat conditioned not to make a mistake or try to fully commit to what we say or do. Mm. But a lot of the times this can lead to people suffering in the long term mm. because maybe that's not what they wanted to do in the present. Maybe they really wanted to do something in the past when they were students but because they committed back then the automatic the autopilot mode went on and mm. they kept that as their motivation up to the present even though they feel somewhat unsatisfied with their life. Um, not only Japanese education, I just brought that up because it, I thought it'd be a good segue into that. But, um, yeah, so I guess what I want to say is try to reflect on each of your behaviors every so often, routinely, because before you know it, you might go... <laughs> Before you know it, you might be going into a direction that you might not want to go. Mm. So, I think a good example is staying at the same company for a long time. I think once you commit to a company, it's difficult. Not that I know because I've never worked in a Japanese company, but especially for that long. So, but. I don't think moving around, not committing to anything is is bad. I mean, it's not good either, but also committing for too long could be bad too. So, balance mm. mm. But yeah, mm. go on. Well, yeah, we also kind of touched on how this commitment can be a good motivation for things that you don't want to do, for accountability. For social proofing, um, I think I said be the initiator because more often than not, uh, you might be able to save a life. Uh, and all you're sacrificing is your social embarrassment. 
be blah, blah, blah. I think it's important to be aware of whether or not your actions are being influenced by your surroundings. So no, that's the main. I, think I agree. Having your own scale to judge your base uh, to judge your behavior on. Mm-hmm. I think the fact, the very fact that you are aware of this, especially the pluralistic ignorance effect, will then help you to act depending on the situation because we're not we can't prescribe exactly what you should do in in every situation so so authority <laughs> uh this is tricky because i don't think a lot of us have like opportunities to confirm their credibility mm. confirm the credibility of a potential authority <laughs> I guess um, it might be mm-hmm. easy now because you can use social media and you can Google search that person's name. And sure, maybe... yeah. Because we can... Yeah, I think that's the best you can do. Mm. Okay, so the Liking, Do you want to take a go? I think ma, the, the, the majority of the book context is like sales situations, transactions, and so... That's why I had my solution put down as separate your feelings for the requester from the product or service being sold. So in that kind of situation context, everything else other than the products is just fluff and just worried about what the product does. And um, I think um, Elon Musk doesn't put, he, I think he claims that he doesn't put any marketing money into marketing and so you don't really see commercials, but um, and it's all into R&D and the car itself. So if we, that's the producer side mindset, right? That's because he's manufacturing all the cars. But I think we can take a little bit from that mindset from him and use it in our case and be like, what's, mm. the, pro- what's the product giving me instead of what the person is telling me what it can do. So that's it. So being more aware. Yeah, I think just yeah, being aware of all these different tips or exploitations is just half the battle. For scarcity, or the, for the scarcity principle, I think the main takeaway is mm-hmm. to not judge your base... <laughs> Not base your judgments mm. only on the scarcity characteristic yep. of a certain product or a certain thing. So yeah, you should base your decisions on multiple facets of urgencies mm-hmm. instead of just the scarcity urgency. Because mm, scarcity isn't the only thing that suggests the value of something. Yeah. So, yeah, it's important to consider other factors that can be valuable to you. Mm. Yeah. Holistic analysis. Holistic, yes. (laughs) All right. So, the main takeaway from this book (laughs) was (laughs) holistic analysis. Yeah. Not being one 
one dimensional, I guess.、Mm. Considering different、And、layers <clears throat> of the f- situation. And turn off autopilot. Turn off autopilot. Put your、which、mind is, into the situation. <clears throat> which is harder done than said. <laughs> Definitely harder done than said. <laughs> yeah.、Um, but yeah, we're no experts. So. We're just two guys <laughs> reading a book and reflecting <laughs> on it.、Uh, so take it by a grain of salt, but. So. Yeah. I think next week we will choose another book for next week and come back with the another reflection of episode of reflection.、Um, mm. The kanji gana? Well, that'll be all for us or for me.、Um, John, anything else? Johnny boy? <laughs> um, thank you for listening, maybe. Thank you for listening, yes. Thank you guys.、Um, Please, please have a good night. Or <laughs> <laughs>、uh, morning.、Um, <laughs> feel free to give us feedback because we would appreciate、mm. that because we want to improve this podcast. I don't, know, I don't know if you can call it a podcast. It's a conversation <laughs> between two guys. Yeah. Well, maybe that's what podcasts are. Yeah. yeah. But.、Um, Yeah. Feel free to say hi or whatever. You can leave your voice memos yeah, you in、can. our page through our anchor page because that's our main distributor、yeah. for the audio. And we'll be able to play the, the message on our podcast.、Um, yeah, so questions, questions, comments, whatever you have in mind, please feel, feel, the, please feel free to share with us because. We want to make it a better experience for everybody. I'll ask the first question, John. What's your favorite NBA team? Oof. I guess we'll find out in the next episode. <laughs> 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 Yo, that works. Yes, what, so, a, so, what, a, what a cliffhanger, man. <laughs> so I think that, that? Was the, that was the end of our first episode.、Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. We、hmm. will continue next week with our next book. Which is.、And、which is. <laughs> Unless we have a. Nah, we can choose later. Yeah, we'll choose okay. later. Okay. 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 Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you, guys.